0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. If you have ever faced a difficult situation and you knew, and you knew God could do something about it and didn't. It would confuse you. It really would. Then you can relate to the Old Testament prophet of Habakkuk, who lived thousands of years ago. We've been in this series where we're studying this tiny little book of the Bible called Habakkuk. It's one of the minor prophets, not minor because it's not important, um, or that it's insignificant? Uh, no, it's minor because of the size. It's just like three pages or three chapters, two and a half pages uh, in the Old Testament. And one of the things that we've discovered as we're working through this book, there's this question that we're we're attempting at least, we're we're trying our best to answer this question. The question is: What do you do when God doesn't do what you and I think God should be doing? Like, what, what should we, you know, do? And I, and I think really all of us have been there. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you lost your job, and, and you think to yourself, well, I know God could have spared that job. Why, why, why didn't he? Or, you know, maybe your marriage came to an end, and you're like, I, I, I knew God could do something. Like, well, why, why, why didn't he? Like, my, my spouse had, had cancer. I know he's able to heal, but, but he, he didn't. Why? I mean, we all have these ideas of how God should act. It seems like common sense to us, but then sometimes he doesn't. And it got me thinking about boxes. You know, oftentimes, when we think of God, we have an idea of what God's like. And he kind of fits in a good box. And then all of a sudden, God does something bigger than what we ever thought. And so our our, our, uh, God-sized box gets a little bit bigger and we're like, look at us. Boy, we serve a big God. And, you know, we're traveling through this life, and all of a sudden, what happens is that God takes the top of that box and explodes it, and like, oh, my goodness, this is too hard for me to understand. Like, he's bigger than my box. See, as long as God is in a box, it's easier for us to comprehend who he is because we kind of manage who God is. And then, you know, as time goes, perhaps things happen in our life, and, and all of a sudden, our eyes are open to see what God's really like, and then we walk around, and we're kind of we're proud of ourselves because, man, we have a, such a big-sized God. But then all of a sudden, God does something that blows our minds, and, and he's bigger than that box. And, and the thing is, we like when God's in the box because then we have a better understanding who he is. But soon as he steps out of this size, that's when things get a little bit confusing for us. And that's what's happened to Habakkuk. See, Habakkuk had this image of God, and it, was nicely fit, it would nicely fit in a box. But then God stepped outside the box. And then you're like, well, God, this doesn't even make sense to me. And we, we talked about this before. Remember, Habakkuk has this expectation of who God is, but it does not match his experience. Like, God, I, God, I, I, I thought you were this, but, but when I look around, this is what I'm seeing. And so his experience was, far, was not meeting his expectation. He had an expectation. His expectation was that God would fit in this nice little box. And now he's not fitting in that box. And it's not meeting his expectation. We all have this idea that God should be doing um, or what we think he should be doing. And when he doesn't, boy, it's, it gets so hard for us to comprehend. And that's why, as we've been reading through the book of Habakkuk, I mean, it is a book full of questions, and they're the exact same questions that you and I have, even though he lived a th- thousands of years ago. And we've said this already, but the name of Habakkuk means to embrace, and it means to wrestle, which is an interesting concept to think that you could wrestle with God and still hang on to him. And that's what Habakkuk is doing. He, he's hanging on. He is hanging on to God. But boy, he is wrestling through all the things that God's doing. Because it, honestly, it doesn't make sense to him. I mean, he, he's a prophet. He, he's a man of God. And he's, he's trying to embrace God. But he is wrestling each step of the way. And if you're just joining us for this series, I, I encourage you to go back and check out what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, about what does it mean to wrestle with God. Now, Habakkuk, being a prophet of God, was also a representative of God. like He was God's voice piece uh, to the people. So when God would say, thus saith the Lord, Habakkuk would relay that to the people. But what's interesting about Habakkuk, he's also the representation of the people back to God. So he he has questions for God. God tells Habakkuk what to say to the people. And he and a lot of the people have a lot of questions. And so now he brings back those questions to God. He has all these questions that you and I have. The questions like, where are you, God? Like, I am looking around and I do not see you, God. That's one of the questions Habakkuk had. And and hey, we do the same thing. We look around, and sometimes we wonder, God, where are you in all of this? And then all of a sudden, we ask another question, because it gets a little more personal. We say, God, where are you when I need you? Which is Habakkuk's same question. God, I need you. In fact, in chapter 1, he says, how long, Lord, am I going to pray to you? And you and you're not answer. And so Habakkuk is really kind of confused about all that's going, going on. In fact, he says to God, like, Just look, God, look look over there, look over there, look over there. You see the wickedness, you see the sin of the people, and you're not doing anything about it. It seems to me, God, that's what Abacus says, that you are ignoring everything that's taking place. Do you not see that there's anarchy in our own country and you're not doing one thing about it? It's like you're lackadaisical. God, you're just enjoying the summer months and the breeze and not really doing anything about this. It's like Habakkuk says, You know, God, I, I have this well thought out plan and I've given it to you. And you don't seem to be doing anything with this well thought out plan that I give you. Here's the deal, God. I thought if I did my part, then you would do your part. That's what Habakkuk is thinking. But it doesn't seem, God, you're carrying out the details that I have actually passed on to you. And God's response, of course, to Habakkuk is Well, actually, Habakkuk, I have been watching, I have been observing and I am going to do something about it. In fact, what I'm about to do is going to blow you out of the water. In fact, you, you couldn't even imagine in your wildest dreams what I'm about to do. And it's at that point, that's where Habakkuk's expectations of God is rattled. That's all of a sudden when his faith is on shaky ground. Because God says, oh, I am going to do something. I am gonna do something. I have been watching what's going on. And I am now ready, he says, to discipline my people. And that's what trips out Habakkuk. That's what freaks him out because now God tells him, he says, yeah, I have been watching my people and I am going to correct my people and I am going to use the Babylonians. And that's where Habakkuk, it doesn't make sense. Like Habakkuk says, okay, God, Okay, yeah, our sin is bad. On a scale of one to ten, maybe we're a seven. But the Babylonians, they are a ten plus. Like, surely you're not going to use them to to correct us. I mean, those people are really perverse. Like, they're really vile. Like, they're really godless. Like, why would you use a group like that? So you can just imagine what's going through Habakkuk's mind. Like, wait, 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 Lord. You can't be serious about what you're getting ready to do. Like, God, yes, I admit, okay, maybe we have been doing everything that we should be doing. Maybe we have veered off a little bit from the track. You know, Maybe, yes, maybe it is sin that what we've been doing. But compared to those people? No, God, we're so much uh, better. God, have you forgotten what kind of people they are? Like, have you forgotten? Like, they don't even acknowledge who you are. Now here's God, or here's Habakkuk saying, God, I've been thinking this through. You, you've been talking about the Babylonians, but I put a new list together. I have a whole list of new nations I think would be better to use than those Babylonians. And then, and then Habakkuk says, Now, God, I, I, I know you're fair. I, I read that you're a just God. But then I've been asking people around me, people that I trust, people whose advice is good, they're saying the same thing. They're saying, God, you're not fair. They're saying, you're not being just. Like, how could you do all this? And basically what, what we have discovered in the first two chapters of Habakkuk is, is Habakkuk is pointing his finger at God and saying, God, you're guilty. Like, you're guilty of not being fair and not being just. And God, really, you're, you're messing up my mind. See, God, I like when you're in the box. It makes sense when you're in the box. I understand the box. But God, when you step outside of that box, it gets really, really confusing. I, my mind has a hard time grasping that. And that's why uh, in the very first week, we, we, we talked about this uh, dip as, uh, as Christians, just a, as a refresher. Oh, that doesn't work. Does it too well? Hopefully one of these will work. We talk about this dip. And we say as Christians, you know, we love living up here on the mountain, by the way. It's the valley that's hard. And, and so many people, you know, they start here and they're kind of investigating God. We said this before, they're investigating God. And, and then all of a sudden, their eyes are open to see who God really is and what Jesus has done for them. And, and they're climbing this mountain, and all of a sudden, they're up here. It looks so good. The view is great. I can see for miles from up there. And, you know, God's answering your prayers, and, and God's doing some amazing things in your family. It and, and all is so good. But then one day, it doesn't seem quite the same. Like one day, you come to church, and it just doesn't feel like something. That's okay. Now the music's not that great today. You know, it, you know, you've been praying, and all of a sudden your prayers aren't being answered. You think, well, well God, what's, what's going on? And, and we call it, we're, we're kind of, it's the dip. We're, you know, we're like, we're not seeing these prayers answered. And then, you know, you get a little farther down, and you're like, well, God, what, what's going on here? Like, I, love, I like living up here. This is where I, I, I experience who you are. But now, all of a sudden, see the expectation that we have of God and it's and, and not being met, then all of a sudden we find ourselves just going down here. So sometimes we're literally right in the pit. And that's when we begin to wonder God, are you even around? God, are you even listening to what I have to say? Sometimes it's a gradual fall. Sometimes it's just a free-for-all, or free-fall, I mean, right into the, the pit. You know, the spirit of the living God is working in you, and you're so excited, and, and, you, and you love that view, living on the mountain.
1: But then life flares up.
0: It doesn't go the way you thought it should go. And not only is it not going the way you thought it should go, but in reality, you begin to think, it's not even fair, actually, God. Like, this is not my plan I can maybe deal with that, but it's not even fair how my life is turning out to be. So God, just step in and do something. That's when we're, we're on that gradual decline. Because, I mean, if we know he can do something, why isn't he doing something? Especially when we think he should do something. That's the question we're, we're, we're wrestling with. And that's when we say, frankly, I don't get you, God, why you are doing what you're doing. And that's what some people call the crises of belief. That's when some people say, ah, you've had a wall in your faith. Some will even call it the dark night of the soul. And that's where Habakkuk is, and he's wrestling with God. Now, we've said this before, there's a number of things you can do when you're here. When you're, up on, when you're beginning in this gradual descent here, you know what some people do? Some people say, well, I, I just don't believe any of it. I don't believe any of it. I'm in denial. You know, you may say, my marriage is in trouble, but I'm not doing anything about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to ask for help. And you just start going downhill. Ah, complete denial. Oh, my finances might be in trouble, but I'm not going to ask for any help. You just you live in denial. It's like your head's in the sand. Then there are those who literally say, you know what, God, if that's the way you're going to be, if that's the way you're going to be, that I'm going right back to where I live my life on my own anyway. I seem to be doing better. Then there are those who honestly through this just get mad at God. Like I'm just mad at who you are and what you're doing. And then there are a few who trust, who will trust on this spiral down the mountain. By the way, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But some people will trust God through all of that. So chapter one, Habakkuk is wondering, God, uh, where are you? And in chapter two, he's waiting for a response from God. I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting to hear from you. And then in chapter three, we're going to see Habakkuk's faith. Habakkuk's faith is getting ready to go to another level. You know, in James chapter one, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brother. Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Ooh, what? Yeah. Knowing that this is the perfecting of your faith. And when your faith has been perfected, you become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Which is, that's the challenge. Consider it. Pure joy when you encounter various trials. I don't know about you, but that is not an easy task. In fact, I struggle with that. Consider it pure joy when you face various trials. So many people want this close and intimate relationship with God. They they want to be on that mountaintop, but don't always recognize how you get there. Many times, it takes a dip to prove the faithfulness of God. We don't always fully understand God's plan, therefore, faith is what fills in the gap. We've said this before. You have this expectation of God, you have this experience, and there's this gap. And what do you do with that gap? Like, what do you do with the gap? And that's where faith comes in. Faith fills in the gap. Okay, so basically what we've done, we just done a quick review. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. It's one of those hard books to find in the, book of the, in the Bible. It's only two and a half pages long, as I said before. So if you're just trying to figure it out, if you open your Bible halfway... You, fall, you open up the Psalms, turn right, go beyond all the big boys, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, come to the little guys, and if you hit Matthew, you've gone too far. Go back a little bit. So let's pick it up in verse one of chapter three. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shiganoth. You have that in your Bible? Shiganoth. Okay, is that not a bizarre word? Like, can we just be honest? That's bizarre. That's weird. Uh, I don't really fully understand. Do you find that an unusual word to have in the Bible? Now, my tendency is when I read a word in the Bible that I don't understand, on my lazy days, I go, it's probably a really good word, and I just keep moving on. But I thought, you know what? I have such a small vocabulary. This might be a good opportunity for me to expand my vocabulary. Maybe I should be saying this quite a bit. Shiganoth. Hey, sugar enough. And uh, so I did some investigation, and I realized this is only used twice in the Bible. Once here, and once in the superscription of Psalm chapter 7. And, and scholars suggest, some scholars suggest, that it's a poem with wild passion, Why other scholars suggest it has something to do with music. So maybe instead of saying, hey, the band did a great job, Uh, On that song today, we can say, "Man, the worship band, boy, they were shaking it, wasn't they? Shaking, 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 shaking." The point is, we really don't know what it means, to be honest with you, the full understanding of it. But it's a weird word to have there. Let's just pick it up in verse two. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember our mercy. God, I've heard of your miracles. I've read about them. I've actually seen them with my own eyes. I've heard of your mercy and your glory and your miracles. Would you do them again? And that's where Habakkuk is. God, I've heard about them all. I've even witnessed them at times. Will you do it again? That's what he's asking. Like I I know you're faithful. I know you're merciful. But but what I'm, I'm I'm down here. Would you do it again? That's what Habakkuk is saying here in his prayer. I'm well aware of who you are, God. I've seen it in action. Would you be willing to do it again? Would you not agree with me that there are seasons in our life that God's power and presence seems more real than others? Like, you know, you're going through your life and you just, you feel like you're, you and God are like this. Like you're so connected and in tune with each other. But then there are other times, certain seasons in your life that you just feel like, God, I, I, don't, even, I, I don't know where you are. God, I, I've heard of your mercy. I've read about it. I've witnessed it. And I'm asking you to do it again. So how do you climb out of the pit? Like what's the life preserver that you, you're trying to get a hold of when you find yourself there? Well, well after just reading those couple of verses, you know what I'm reminded of? Like how do I get out of the pit? How do I get out of this downfall that I, I find myself in? I think one of the things we do is re- we remember God's resume. My Jewish friend uh, who lives in Halifax, his name is Gary. He used to say that all the time. Check out God's resume. And isn't it true? And that's what Habakkuk is getting ready to do right here. He's getting ready to check out God's resume. He's going to begin to remember what God has done. He's going to give a review of God's accomplishments. You know, sometimes I have to do that. You know, sometimes I'll think to myself, oh, maybe money is kind of tight and, you know, finances is maybe a little stressful and you think, oh, am I going to make it through? And I'm, I, my mind always goes back to certain seasons of my life when, when finances were really tight. Like when I was going to college, I remember I, 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 one particular summer I was working three jobs, one full-time job and two part-time jobs. And I just was trying to make enough money to go back to school at Cedarville in Ohio and uh, after working like a dog, I, I had enough money to pay for half of the school year. I said, "Well, it's my final year. It will be a good six months while I'm there." And I remember going there thinking, "Lord, I don't know what I, I don't know where the rest of the money is going to come from." And this is what always. Uh, Leads me in, in shock and awe. By the time I graduated from Cedarville, that last year, my last year there, not only did it my whole school year pay, I had enough money in my bank account to buy a car. It doesn't even make sense. But that's the faithfulness of God. I remember when I graduated from seminary, thinking, okay, I have a lot of student loans I'm gonna be paying back. You know, a lot. And I remember I took my first job in Virginia And and for different reasons, uh, I wasn't able to get paid for the first eight months that I worked there. I'm like, oh, my word. And yet, by the end of 12 months, I I was debt free. Like, God, how how do you do these things? And so every now and then, I have to remind myself as well of God's resume. Like, what he's done in the past. And what's going to happen here in in chapter 3, Habakkuk is going to take a walk down memory lane. And a few things are going to begin to trigger in his mind. Now, we know what it's like when things trigger us. You know, maybe it's a certain song, a smell, a sound, right? Like, it triggers our memory, and it takes us right back uh, to where we once were. And Habakkuk is getting ready to go down memory lane. And in this next number of verses, he's, he's going to be thinking about what God did during the exodus, and if you're familiar with the Exodus, of course, that's when the Hebrews were in bondage for 400 years under Egyptian rule. I mean, life was terrible. And then, then God raised up a man named Moses. And, and then, of course, Moses led the people of Israel out, or the people, the Hebrews out of Egypt, but not after a lot of things had taken place with pestilence and plagues. And, and then it seems like they're, they're, they've been set free. Finally, they can leave. And they're leaving, and they look over their shoulder, and what happens? Of course, the Egyptians are coming after them. They realize, why, why would we let you free? We need you as our slaves. And the entire Egyptian army comes to get them. And now they're like, okay, God, you brought us this far, and now you're gonna brought us up to the desert so we can die? That's basically what they're saying. And God says, listen, by faith, we need to walk across The sea, and 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 the sea—literally, a miraculous thing happens. The sea divides. The Hebrews walk across to the side. The Egyptians follow right after them, and God brings down that wall of water. And it says the Egyptian army drowned. And and Habakkuk is reading all through this, and he's being reminded of the faithfulness of God. So, what do you do when you're in the dip? What do you do when you feel like you're beginning to slide down? You begin to think about what God's done in the past. You begin to review his resume. And then secondly, I think you begin to trust and accept what God is doing. Not roll over and play dead. When you're in the dip, here's what happens so many times. People will not acknowledge that they're in the dip. They like to keep their their head in the sand. But acknowledge it. Acknowledge, like, I, I, I feel, God, that I'm, I, I, I feel like you're not close anymore. Like, acknowledge it. Like, say, I am in the dip. I'm like, I'm in the, the pit here. And quite frankly, I am struggling to keep my head above water. Faith. Trust. Look at verse sixteen. He says, "I have heard, and my heart pounded; my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet, yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading." What are you saying, God? I I recognize what you said. It's going to happen. It's not going to be pretty. It's not gonna be frizzy, pretty. It's not gonna be pleasant. It's gonna to be tough. Habakkuk acknowledges that. He comes to terms with God's prediction of what's gonna happen. He comes to the point where I recognize there's gonna be some innocent people that are gonna die. And God, frankly, I don't get it. So Habakkuk is saying, Frankly, I don't get it. But I'm gonna trust you even though I don't fully understand you. That's what Habakkuk is saying. I'm not denying what you're about to do. I just don't understand it. There will be times when you're scared to death. But I want to encourage you, wait on the Lord. Look at verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stall. Let me just I'll paint a, a picture of what Habakkuk is saying here. He's talking about the fact that there, there's no fig on the trees. Like there, there's no food. There's no blossoms for a future, is what he's saying. Today stinks, and tomorrow, it doesn't look any better. That's what Habakkuk is saying. It doesn't seem like there's even little glimmers of hope like a little light at the end of the tunnel doesn't seem to be there for Habakkuk. We live in such a um, quick fix society, do we not? Like we like quick fixes. We like a silver bullet to fix all of our problems. And Habakkuk is facing the fact, boy, this is not gonna be a quick fix. It is, In fact, he's recognizing things are gonna get a little worse before they get better. In fact, it seems as though for, the, for Judah, they're going to completely lose their independence. It's going to be stripped away. Their financial blanket is going to be swept away. Their uh, security blanket is going to be ripped away from them. When there's absolutely no reason to trust God because there's no evidence uh, with your eyes, no physical evidence, yet Tabacca says, I'm going to trust God. Though God, <laughs> I like your view up here view, even as I'm going, I'm gonna trust you. I don't see it. I don't see any evidence that you're around, I don't see any evidence that you care anymore. I don't see any evidence that you're being fair. I don't see any evidence that you're even being just. So Habakkuk is saying. But despite that, Habakkuk says, I'm gonna trust you. But he's saying there's no crop this year, which really means that there's not going to be any seeds for crop next year. And if the sheep don't like one another, there ain't going to be no sheep next year either. And if there's no affection in the barn with the cattle, there's not going to be any cattle next year. Habakkuk is really painting a very big bleak picture. And it's difficult what he's seeing. Sometimes... Today is dark. And trying to look through the darkness of today into tomorrow only seemed darker. We, under, we realize the issue is not going to be settled overnight. It's not going to be a quick fix. Now, this is what amazes me. When, you, when you've been through this whole book like we have been in the last five weeks, Habakkuk's response is actually spectacular. It, it, it blows me out of the water. After we have just read chapter one and chapter two, and, and Habakkuk has just given, just kind of spewed out all of his frustrations with God. Look what he says in verse 18 Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Even though there's no cattle in the barn. Even though my spouse said, till death do us part, and he walked out. Even though I've done my very best to raise my children, and they've decided to go their own way. Even though I have prayed for healing, and it hasn't come. Even though I find myself in financial stress, and I have prayed, and it doesn't seem like help is on its way, I am going to trust. Even though I know you could do this, and I feel like you should do this, and you've chosen not to do it, I'm still, I'm still gonna trust you. So in chapter three, what we have is Habakkuk's faith. So somebody may say, well how, how do you have that kind of faith? Because I have all the questions that Habakkuk has, I just don't have that faith that Habakkuk has. Well let me tell you, you can't have a Habakkuk chapter three faith without a Habakkuk chapter one type of questions. That's the reality. God can do more in the dip than he can do on the mountaintop. See, one of the things I've learned, uh, when you're way up on the mountain, there's not a lot of growth up there. You notice the higher and higher and higher you go in the mountains, there's less and less growth. All the growth takes is down here in the valley. It's a spectacular view, though, But this is where the growth takes place. It's down in the valley, It's, it's the dip. Where God can really do some amazing things in our life. Where God can continue to prove his love and his grace. And I know that after 30 years of being a pastor, I've walked enough yesterdays with Jesus to be able to trust him with my tomorrows. In verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to go on the heights. Hmm. No cattle, no sheep, no food. But earlier we learned in chapter two that the righteous live by faith, by faith. God, I'm gonna continue to trust you though I completely don't understand what you're doing. And so this is where we're remembering Habakkuk is wrestling with God, but he's still uh, embracing God. God, I don't understand what you're doing. I love you, but I don't understand why you're doing this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. But I'm going to trust you. See, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you here. I'm going to trust you here. I don't get it, though. I'm going to trust you here. And God, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to trust you right there, too. That's where it gets challenging. I love that song. It's an old hymn, right? Um, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. You You know that song? Just to take him at his word, right? Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know. Thus saith the Lord. I love that, right? And the, the, and the end of it goes, oh, for grace to trust him even more. Oh, that I would have the grace that I could trust him more. For some of you this morning, I know you're, you maybe haven't reached the complete bottom of the dip there, but you're, you're, you're going down and you're questioning and you're wondering and you're just, God would you just please show yourself to be true? And some of you I know, you're, you're in the bottom of that dip and you're wondering, God, are you gonna come through? Here's one of the things, I'm, I'm, I'm a slow learner sometimes, but here's what I'm learning. Christian maturity is unbelievably muddy and confusing which is why so few actually head in that direction of Christian maturity. So now when tragedy strikes, when you lose your health, you lose a loved one, the bank accounts are empty, you've been fired from your job, your business tanks, when you feel like you've been rejected and everything that you have built your life on has been maybe stripped away from you. Then what? Then what? I certainly have seen in my time plenty of men who've lost their jobs, seen their money evaporate, see their sense of self-worth self, uh, disappear, and the weight of being frustrated and angry of how God is governing and running his life. And losing your job and your resources, having a hard time financial, uh, financially, it, it's a weight It is a heavy weight in a man's soul. But here's what I've learned. We are never going to go from here to there without going down here first. Because this this journey here allows us to begin to have a greater intimacy with God that we've never experienced before. But for us to get here, it takes a journey like this. And that's where the challenge gets. And Habakkuk finally says, you know, God, I I don't understand it. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm going to trust you. And I believe that as you read through this book, Habakkuk goes to a new level of his intimacy with God. So what do you do? We've been asking that question. What do you do when God's not doing what we think he should be doing? I conclude with this. I think, number one, we remember his resume. We remember. We look back, but, but God has been faithful. We remember his resume. We trust. This is hard. We trust and accept what God is doing, though we don't understand it. And then... We have faith in God's future plans. And you know what you're going to find when you do that? He's going to take us to a much higher place in our relationship with him. This is God at work developing us to take us where we've never been before. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I, we thank you for the journey that we've had through this book what an amazing uh, opportunity to study a man's life who's so much like our life. A God who has, has questions, has struggled in his faith journey with you. Uh, we've seen him hit a wall, a crisis of belief. And, and God, I think most of us here, if we're completely honest, we've gone through that. If we haven't, it's maybe because we haven't lived long enough. But I believe, Lord, that as a follower of Jesus, all of us will one day hit a season in our life where we find we're heading down, heading toward this dip. And God, I would pray for us as a church when we sense that, when when we begin to ask the questions, where are you? When our experience is not meeting our expectation, I so pray, God, that we we would review your resume. And remember, oh yeah, God is faithful. Oh yeah, God is faithful. I've seen it time and time again. Though I don't feel it right now, he has been. So God, help us to be mindful of those times that you have been so faithful to us. And then God, on this journey, help us to, to trust you. To trust you even when we don't know what you're doing. And then God... Give us the faith, oh, for grace that we would trust you more. Give us the faith to trust in your future plans that you are taking us somewhere where we've never been before to a higher level, a newer intimacy and a relationship with a loving God.